Well, I thank you all for coming, joining this caravan where there's hope and not despair. So we are having a congregational town hall. This is an information session this morning. Glad you're all here to listen, to share your ideas. As a congregation, we are guided by our mission. That tells us what we are called to do together and out in the world. And of course, our mission is to inspire love, seek justice, and grow in community. Um, no problem achieving that, right? I mean, you know, very down to earth, real doable, very clear. <laughs> Mission statements are intentionally vague. They're large, they're ambitious, they're aspirational. They hold something out there that we can always work and move towards, but we never achieve. That's the whole point of a mission statement. So how do we move on our way? Our bylaws call us each year to set a series of goals that will help us focus on areas we need to work on. So your board and I met during a retreat in September to start creating a series of congregational goals, the strategic plan, the beautiful, very thorough strategic plan that you wrote together, oh, seven or eight years ago now, has expired. And I propose to the board that rather than resurrect a strategic plan process, Instead, we create, eventually we'll work on a series of global ends statement. Like a mission statement, these are large aspirational values that we'll hold up that will guide us on our way for a number of years. But in order to make those real each year, we will identify and have identified a series of goals that we feel need particular attention. The board and I studied the uh, congregational record, the materials you provided that helped me look at and realize that I was called to this congregation and from that congregational record and things we've heard, needs we've identified, we created these six goals. So we're going to talk about them, look at them, we're going to brainstorm together, we're going to do some, a little bit of visioning, conversation and see where we can take these together and who we're going to become as we keep working together. So, Danny, do you want to jump in? Sure. Hi, I'm Danny Beal. For anybody who doesn't know me at this point, I'm the moderator of this wonderful congregation and community, and I welcome you here. We're very excited. Uh, when we worked together with Reverend Stephen to develop these goals, we were pleased by how focused they are on a lot of our more immediate needs, but also our looking to a longer-term vision and mission that we have within the church. So we're really pleased with these. But we want to make sure that everyone is involved in brainstorming, thinking about these, thinking about how we can do this better. And so that's why we called all of you here today. Um, and we're going to talk through each of them. As uh, Stephen said, do a little bit of brainstorming as well. Another thing that I'm going to do, I have, you know, giant post-it notes, which are one of my favorite things in the world. I love <laughs> post-it notes. Um, and we'll be putting those down around Fessenden Hall so that people either who are not here or who consider this and have an idea later who may want to present it or just put it out there, uh, you'll be welcome to write that on those pages as well so that you can have an alternative way to speak. So, welcome. Welcome, everybody, and you're welcome to kick it off with the goals. Okay. And I want to emphasize that in our spirit of shared ministry, these goals are not something I'm focused on doing or a specific committee is focused on doing or the board is focused on doing, but this is truly shared work that every one of us can do in some way. So I invite you to get into the spirit of working together and let's, let's grow. Well, 
the theme, upcoming theme for the um, annual budget drive this year is here we grow. So here, here we go and here we grow. All right, our first goal is growing the congregation. We want to be a culture where we invite, welcome, and engage and retain members. Our UU churches historically have kind of a reputation for being revolving doors. People find us, they're intrigued, they come, they stay for a little while, but they don't tend to stay over the long haul. So we want to look at ways which we engage people at every level and people stay as part of this community. We want to offer a variety of ways for spiritual growth. We want to create a culture of welcoming and radical hospitality. That is something every single one of us can be practicing all the time. And there's the goal of opportunity for diversity. So we can be in being a welcoming and radically hospitable congregation. We can draw a variety of people with different values, different ideas, races, um, just to really make this congregation very diverse and continue in the spirit of inclusivity. So our membership team is already doing some work on this particular goal, but I think we can open it up and, and uh, discuss it some more. I'm Carol Gould, and I came here after my husband, Edwin, who was Jewish, died eight years ago. Uh, I've thought about this ever since I came here. Uh, I came here, I had a lot of trouble finding finding my way, uh, introducing myself to people. And I think that there's a very simple reason why people come in here and don't feel quite welcome. The name tags are upstairs. The people are downstairs. Nobody wears a name tag until they come up to the, to the service. They're not down there in the, <laughs> in the happy hour with the name tag on. Now, Wait a if, minute. We have a happy hour? <laughs> And we have a name tag, too. We have name tags. <laughs> now, um, now, how many of you are wearing a name tag? Mine's in my car. Um, I, I just want to bring up a, a very simple fact that something could be done about. Uh, if, if we all wore our name tags down at happy hour, and that means we have to put them down there somewhere, I don't know where, but... If we all had the name tags on, then if a stranger came in, we would know they were a stranger because they didn't have a name tag on, and we could make a real effort to welcome them in. Duh. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right. So let's talk. Um, do we want to talk logistics a minute? We can, yeah, we can talk logistics. One thing that I wanted to say is we are taking notes. Blaine, our secretary on the board, is taking notes for us, and we're also recording. So the ideas okay. that are coming up here are not going to be just lost in this room. So from a mechanic's point of view, the practicality, when you arrive at this building, would it make sense to have the name tags available downstairs and more accessible that way? Yes. No. Yeah, no. Not everybody okay. Split because if you're coming to the first service, then you come straight up here, and you mm. you'll find your name tag. Okay. If you're coming to the second service, then you come into coffee hour. Yeah. It would make sense to have those people's name tags downstairs. So perhaps. But when you actually arrive in the building, where do you normally come in? I come straight up here. Okay, so people come a variety of places. Perhaps we could have a number of different places where the name tags can be, and then where, wherever you come in the door, you know, okay. you can put your name tag there. Okay, so um, 
I have a gift for remembering people's names. Yes, which I don't know where it came from, but I'm glad. But I do not. That's my job. <laughs> they didn't teach us that in seminary. <laughs> but um, if we're going to make name, t- and I agree with the idea, Carol, thank you. But at the same time, I ask your commitment to be faithful about getting that name tag on and wearing it. Yes, and if you lose it, if you, if you yeah. leave it somewhere, can't find it, uh, put your name on the list. It happens very quickly, trust me, because I might have lost a couple in my days here. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to turn into the name tag police. Where's your name tag? <laughs> four times before people began to four different Now, why is that? Yeah, Carol, Carol's asking, here I'll repeat since I didn't get back there, Carol's asking why is it, and this is years ago, but why is it that it took several weeks for anyone to actually speak to her and welcome her into the congregation? I think we've made a lot of strides in that area, um, but it's, yeah, it's absolutely something that we can work on more, so, and that's, we all have to do that work. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Let's, can I explore that a little bit? You bet. Let me ask a question. How many of you are comfortable saying, good morning to someone you don't know. Quite a few of you, but not every, not every hand in the room. Yeah, exactly, depending on the day and stuff. Um, what would be helpful to encourage that? Is there some, something we could... Hang on, Carol. Who recognized a lot of people and could identify new people when they come in and give them a, a really noticeable name tag with their name handwritten, then we would know they were new. But yeah. we, we have to, this isn't a hard problem, we, but we're no, not speaking not. To, the, to the strangers who come in. But suppose that new person is in the social hall, oh, you know, over here all by themselves. Do we know how to come up, say good morning, and start a conversation with a, with a meaningful, inviting question of some kind? With some, would some ideas for that be helpful? When, when, um, when I'm downstairs at the equal exchange table, I'm always looking around the room to see if there are people that are standing next to a pillar with their hands folded and in a coffee mug, or if they're standing over against a wall and just looking around. And if I can't get to them, I try and snag some other person that I know is wandering around and is uh, easily able to speak to other folks, and I send them over. I go, that person is standing there alone and has been. Go Mm -hmm. talk to them. (laughs) What if we had a core of people every Sunday whose job was to seek out those who look like they're standing alone and approach them? The love bomber? <laughs> the love bomber yeah. oh. is the suggestion. At least say hi to women. Yeah. It's a cultic technique, so just watch out there. When I was uh, helping with the greeting, it was the uh, custom to have one of the uh, greeters sit at the desk out there and snag anybody who looks like they are guests and give them a name tag, one of those stick-on name tags, write their name down, talk them up about the church and you're glad, et cetera, give them a big welcome, and talk about coffee hour, and ask them to go down to coffee Mm -hmm. hour. And I think 
if, um, if you want to get org really organized about it and do something and know that it's going to happen, it would be useful to have two members of the congregation assigned for coffee hour to seek out those people that have the plastic or the stick-on name tags and talk to them. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask a couple of bigger, before we get other comments, I want to ask a couple of bigger, bigger questions. Let's be honest with one another. Have we got a really good thing going here? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So do, do we want others to share in that? Yes. Yeah, well, there you have it. <laughs> I saw Georgia first. We have a lot of people okay. with um, The things that are being suggested are already in place. I see them every Sunday. <laughs> I see stick-on name tags on new people. I see a committee that's dedicated to seeking out people that are yes. new. I see uh, people at coffee hour going up to people and making sure everybody's welcome. My own experience here when I came 10 years ago was that I wanted to lean against the pillar and be invisible. Uh. And it was very hard to do. People kept talking to me. Um, you might be seeing a lot of the same faces week after week after week after week on the greeting team. And I'm going to say that Trish has done her absolute best and beyond best. We need some help. We need more people who are willing um, to greet. Because I love doing it, but it's not something I want to do every single Sunday for the rest of my life. Um, so I would like the, the enthusiasm in this room around being um, welcoming and greeting to please, please see Trish. And it's an easy, fun. It is. It is. Please come join us. Yeah, I appreciate that comment very much because one of the things here, I know there's a million hands up, but one of the things I think that has happened is we had a really rough couple years. We had a core group of people who really stepped up in terms of volunteering time, and I'm so, so proud of our resilience through the last three years, but I think we've also all gotten a little tired <laughs> during mm -hmm. this time. Like all the people who have really stepped up have gotten a little tired and we are, we're starting to grow again. We're starting to feel revitalized. Like mm -hmm. this place is, yes, I feel like we're having a rebirth and now is the time for us all to step back in. So I agree with Elaine. I appreciate so much Trish and the core group of people who've been doing this so well for so long. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd like to see new faces as volunteers. Okay, I think you're next. We, and we're going to have to move on yeah, because we, we do have six. <laughs> I've been part of the church for about the past six months. And so when I first came in, everybody does a nice job greeting. But it's the next step, how to really become a part of the church. Um, so I've tried to become part of the choir. Um, I've become... Uh, part of Randy and Mary's, um, uh, some of their activities and things like that. But I still don't really feel a real part of the church yet. And it's like how to get the newcomers more integrated into the church to feel a part of the community. 
And I think that's, and, and I'm not like the most outgoing kind of person, so I'm probably more of a challenge than maybe some other people. But I think that, that, that you do a great job of being friendly, but it's that next step to really feel like you're a real part of the community. Um, that, that, that's, that's really the next step. Thank you so much. There's a, we have a lot of hands up. Do you want to let's, keep? Let's, maybe people could put those things on the on the board. The, the Zoom and then Blaine's also yeah. 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 So I'm going to have these giant post-its <laughs> posted around, and I'll just have the headers. The headers listed. So anybody, I'm sorry that we're having to not get deeper into this conversation. We just have a lot of content to cover. Uh, but I really want to hear from some of the other people who have comments about this immediately. Or just grab me because you know I'm always floating around. Come talk to me. Let's, let's do one more comment. Yeah, one more comment. Okay. So Mary, you got to, can we get to you in a minute? Please. So someone back here has had their hand up quite a while. Now, I'm kind of taking a completely different about joining the congregation. It took me 20 years of coming a couple times a year, and it because it was too small and it was too intimate that I wanted a little bit to be not so deep in a community right away. I wanted to be able to stand back, and I would come, and it was so small that I felt I had too many relationships too fast, and I would back off. And I think that's something to think about, too, when you're needing to grow. Growing fiscally is important. Building a bigger community is important. But when you have a bigger community, people can take on the role they want. And literally 20 years of coming a couple times a year until I was ready, you know, to be in this new relationship, you know. So. <laughs> and thank you for joining us. <laughs> so, Mary, what was your question? I didn't come part of the court. <laughs> Show up. Ask, <laughs> ask how. So, yeah, show up at 6.30 right here on a Sunday night and you're part of the choir. Yeah. That's, or that's show up for a do. bell rehearsal accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Or bell choir or, yeah, anything. All right, so I know there are a lot more thoughts about this first goal. I would invite you to communicate with us about them. Write them on the um, sticky notes that'll be downstairs. Seek out one of the board members. Seek out me when I get back. <laughs> yep, all the board members have the little red tags on their name tags, so you could find us. And then every first Sunday, in case you haven't seen the announcements, every first Sunday of the month, we have a board listening table that will be out in the Founders Lounge, where at least two of us will be hanging and able to listen to you. That information does get reported back in through the board meeting. We're recording it to make sure that we are, you know, gathering all the information that people are bringing to us and the concerns and the joys. Come with the joys, too. Please. <laughs> we love joys. <laughs> so in the interest of time, should we move on to I, number I two? Agree. Yes. All right. So we want to nurture our religious education program and revitalize RE programming for adults. Yay. Yeah. Uh, we've been working on that. First thing we're going to do is offer a six-week UU history series. It starts on February 10th. Hour of video, and the videos are well made. There are a few things I quibble with, but we'll have opportunity for questions and discussions, and we'll do lunch as well. So please, please sign up and participate. It's a great opportunity to learn. There is, there should be a, um, a sign-up genius. And where is that? 
I think it's been in the e-news. Has the sign-up genu- yeah, in the e-news? Yeah, in the e-news. Okay. If you're not getting a weekly email on Wednesdays, let Mary Beth know. Email the church office. You can get the... You let Mary Beth know by looking at the back of the uh, order of service, and her email is right there, or you can call the church, or you can just find me if you're not on the email. Yeah, Yeah. anybody on the board, come and just let us know. We want to be conduits to make sure everybody is getting all the information that they need. We recognize the need for ongoing adult and RE. You know, all of church is RE, but it's nice to have some things above and beyond what we do on Sundays together. We will be working on that together. If you've got an idea for class or you feel called to teach class, give a holler. So, Val? Oh, can we? Yeah, hang on, Val. Hang on, Val. So I've heard a lot of... Um, talk about the training and we're a welcoming congregation, but I joined this congregation well beyond the time that you all did that training, and I have no idea what it's about. It might be nice to have a refresher. Mm, Yeah. And do the second phase of it, too. Yeah, there's a second phase of it. There's also recently a new uh, report that was put out by Trust, which is the um, Trans Unitarian Universalist Uh, Minister Group. And they have done some studies around how people who are trans or non-binary are um, feeling within congregations. And I think that can be broader as well, Um, not just for that community, but for any marginalized community uh, that is coming into our churches. And so I've already shared it with Reverend Stephen. We plan to talk more about that. And there is a second phase, I think that that could be a very helpful thing for us to do, Mm -hmm. um, to really challenge ourselves around how are we acting more inclusive, what can we do with our language to be more inclusive to people who come in, those types of things. So yeah, I think it's a great, great point, and I think it's just time has gone past, and so we haven't been as uh, focused primarily Mm -hmm. in there. There's a couple ideas that a few people and I have tossed around through the years, and Sorry, but I'm not going to be able to lead either one of them. But one is from previous church and temple memberships that um, I have loved is, and I know I know it's not going to be Bible necessarily, but it's been weekly Bible studies or weekly Torah studies. Um, they could be weekly, you know, holy book studies here. It could be Mary Oliver, but uh, <laughs> knowing that it was weekly was so helpful. Because you could tap in and it was on your calendar, just like the choir or the bell choir, but knowing that this was a weekly thing. And it wouldn't have to be led by by you necessarily. I've seen them led by lay people. But that's something that I crave and need. And another thing that um, I've also talked about pretty extensively with Melissa um, was the fact that when I was coming to this church, I was cleaning it. And one day after service, I was the new member service, and I was picking up all the flowers that people had left behind, and I asked, boy, it was Julianne at that time, if I, you know, she said, well, do you want those flowers? You can have it. And while you're here, why don't you just sign the book and become a member, because you're here all the time. <laughs> and... Um, being a happy-go-lucky uh, person as I was in my 20s, um, I just signed the book. But years later, I thought, what did I do that day? Because I never studied the history of this church. I didn't have, you know, in so many, 
again, I don't want to compare us to other churches, but I guess I do because I'm going to do this. But there is a, a long series of classes where people learn about that religion. They learn about the history of it, and they make many, many conscious decisions in the, in the process of whether they want to be a member or not. And I found out in the process that many of us just signed the book without taking any classes. Mm -hmm. And there was a cohort of us that was interested in doing a renewing of our vows and a more, um, a, a, what is that word called for the class that is offered where people go through? Yeah. Yeah. But Melissa said that, you know, she doesn't let people sign the book or she, I don't know if you do without taking a series of classes, but I, I know I would like to renew my vows after 20 years of coming here and not sometimes feeling grounded in what we believe. Some congregations have left their membership books out and people sign them thinking they're a guest book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yes, I'm not sure we need to be that tricky, but I do because <laughs> that is tricky, and then we'll hit yeah, them up so, for, for a pledge immediately following, okay. I'm sure. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say that I very much resonate with Mary's statement. I came here for 15 years off and on. If I like the sermon, I came back. If not, it might be a few months. But it was, and it was just very, you know, approach avoidance, and... Um, it wasn't until Vivian Sandlung asked me if I would be on the committee to choose a new minister. And I'm like, what do I have to do? And she's like, well, you have to be a member. <laughs> I'm like, Tricky. what do I have to do? They're like, oh, just sign the book. The very last thing Julianne did before she locked the door for the final time over there was have me sign the book. And then she left. It was, <laughs> it was a moment. But they didn't have the classes on UUs or anything. But I think so. I think what the difference was of that coming and not feeling like you're part of it and approach avoidance a little bit, maybe for me, was when somebody asked, you know. So I've been coming for like it wasn't like, oh, I've are you new here? I've been coming for three years. No, it wasn't like that. It was like they said, would you volunteer at the to sell cookies at our rummage sale or something like that? They wanted me to sell cookies and. Um, and I was like so thrilled that someone asked me to volunteer on something. And when I became part of the committee for the new minister, there were so many parts of the operation of the church I never knew about. It was like seeing the dark side of the moon. There was, <laughs> there was all kinds of activities and committees that I just didn't know existed. So I would say the ask was important and the education. Okay. So we've got one time for one more. Tanya, how many of you recruited? Just one. Um, I just wanted to speak yeah. briefly about um, maybe the youth RE program, and um, I think it's particularly challenging for parents of kids to become active members because so many of the activities are, um, you know, things you would do and leave your kids at home, and so that limited my doing things when I first joined. Um, but along with maybe people not coming to church as much, I think we've seen a lot of the youth drop out of coming. Mm -hmm. And so our numbers are so low that it makes it hard, you know, I, for like a last year I was teaching the middle school youth and it was often two kids. Um, so just that need to build back up um, the space for families to be here. And, um, and then I think as parents, some of it's making that commitment to bring our kids because 
anytime we don't bring our kids, then they're not here, and it, it's harder for the others who are here. But um, I'm not sure what the solution is. I just think that when the youth have a sense of community among themselves, it really builds up the church. And I think particularly our um, like our middle school ages right now, there just aren't a lot of numbers mm-hmm. or there's not a lot of connection between them. So I think um, engaging them and their parents uh, could be pretty helpful. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I think that, and that's certainly not, I, I think that almost all churches see, you know, all communities see that type of uh, challenge. So, but I appreciate it. And I think we can brainstorm around more ways. Like the, um, the game night that the rooms do, there are, some, there are some intergenerational activities, but I suppose we can do more. So one of the things Colleen and I have been talking about, I've been curious about for a long time, is the model of religious education for our children and youth. And there, there are some shifts and some wild ideas about going to something that's more of a Montessori model or just a radically different way instead of just sitting them down for an hour and you know, doing the equivalent of Bible lessons, more engaging and appealing to a different, you know, there are eight or nine, I forget how many, different learning styles. So uh, I know Elaine is listening because she's knitting, but she needs to be doing something kinesthetic to really engage. Right. So one thing, if <laughs> I love you dearly, Elaine. <laughs> but people learn different ways. Some are visual learners. Some are, you know, hearing learners. Some need to be out in nature. Some need to be doing something. So we really need to look at our RE programs and see how we teach our children and youth our values, but do it in a way. That's, that's more engaging instead of the traditional model we've used. So, all right, thank you. We should move on to item number three. Revitalize social justice with functioning task groups, with uh, more highly functioning task groups. That's not to say they're not functioning. Increased communication and participation. This includes racial justice, immigration, social justice, leadership, development. So this is not to say that we don't have good social justice work going on, but I have heard again and again a hunger to grow it, to be more engaged, to really take our values out in the world. Excellent. I wanted to say uh, we're bringing Chris Crass to church. You may have seen this in the uh, order of service today. And we're looking for donations to be able to make it so that uh, it is a free opportunity so that there's not a barrier that way for anyone to be able to come and participate. Um, And... I have a birthday coming up, and so <laughs> I do, and so I'm going to do one of those uh, donation for my birthdays, and I'm going to match up to, let's say, $200, anybody who would like to donate through, cool. so find Thank my you. Facebook page, I'll make it public and put it to the UUCK, um, and so please donate so that we can try to build some of that a little bit more. Chris Crass is great for anybody who hasn't looked... He is a UU activist, a white male UU activist who works with, generally with white people, to try to talk about how we can engage more around racial justice. He has a, he has a huge passion around this. He's extremely knowledgeable and, and well-respected. He travels all over the place talking about these issues. Um, I think he'll be very accessible for a lot of people to be able to learn more about how they can engage. The, uh, work, the workshop is on Saturday, March 9th, and then he will be leading services on Sunday, March 10th. And I know Swanee, was that your question, or? Chris Press. He's a published author as well. Did you? 
This is just going to be on Facebook, or can some of the rest of us know about it, too? It's in the order, Okay. So she wanted to, um, Swanee wanted to know where the information could be found. It is in the order of service. Yeah, there's a flyer actually. So did that, was that helpful, Ann? Okay. All right. Here. Oh, do you want to? And just put our donation for that, for Chris Pratt and the. That'll work and in, in, in indicate it's for the racial justice. So Thank my you. question has to do. Yeah. So Thank this you. is about uh, Chris Crass coming to the church. Are we inviting other churches, other, you know, kind of make it more of a, you know, racially integrated program or something that not just our group would be we involved? We are with? focusing primarily on this congregation and our ongoing commitment to do racial justice work. Kathy, had we clarified who we were going to reach out to beyond this congregation? Yeah, I don't know if is Christy here. Maybe Christy. No, is she okay. had to leave. So yeah, there's a small group that's been planning this for this event, and um, we had some discussion and debate about how to do that. And we decided that we, as a congregation, wanted to really work on this and also to create an event where um, members would feel comfortable coming and speaking and didn't have to feel like, you know, am I being sort of evaluated by outsiders? And so partly for that reason too, we decided for this event to really focus on our own church and really try to make it more of a church event. And we are really hoping for a high level of participation. I know a lot of people participated, I think it was about three years ago now, when an earlier group um, sponsored that two session thing on Saturdays. And so this is intended to be a follow-up of that, mm -hmm. to help the congregation move forward and take the next step in our work mm -hmm. toward racial justice. So that was, that was a point of some discussion. Uh, also, we wanted to be able to hold it at our church, and that begins to also limit a little bit size. So I, so I think that's, does that answer the question? Thank you, yes. And we have, I have some extras. There were some extra flyers out there. If anybody needs the flyer, I have some flyers. Just okay. raise your hand. Do you want to run back to Thank you. Bob? He's got his hand up. Yeah. Years ago, we had a men's group, and one of the sessions we had, we invited a leader of black studies from the university hmm. to come. And his main point was, if you want the black people to come to your church, you go to their church first in an organized program. They'll get to know you, and then they'll come by your church. If you don't go to their church first, no way. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things we do need to do is figure out, and I named it in my sermon this morning, was how to build genuine relationships with communities of color. So, and yeah, that's an area of, of real work. I think one of the ways that we can build relationships with people outside of our church currently is to address, hopefully in a mostly positive way, the huge emergency that, because it's a slow emergency, is very easy to not look at. Or we look at it and it makes us anxious. Apparently there's a new diagnosis amongst uh, psychologists. They're seeing people who are chronically anxious because of the fear for where we're going with our climate 
and sustainability in the world. And I feel that as a church, we've really got to stand up. And this is going to affect all of us. It is affecting all of us right now. And it's going to be affecting the poorer members of our world and of our country before it affects the more wealthy. Because as areas of the world become increasingly unlivable, the wealthy can move. The wealthy can make sure they've got air conditioning. Um, so this is an overarching thing. I think if we become more overt about the things we're doing as, a, as individuals and as a congregation to address this, it's going to attract new members because a powerful cause that's affecting us as we in the following coming years, but it's particularly drastic if you care about our children and their lives. It's drastic what's happening. If you're reading the reports that are coming out, you should be freaked out because we're approaching a tipping point. Don and I watched a movie last night called Tomorrow. It's really quite uplifting, but it also addresses the fact that we are verging on the sixth extinction, which may well include quite a few numbers of us. So anyway, I could go on, but I won't. (laughs) But we have a green sanctuary at this church, and so we already have an established format, and I want to be part of all of us doing more. Thank you, Trish. Thank you. So one more, Bill. Let me follow up with Trish has presented. Um, When I think of social justice and... This church, I recall coming to, we recall coming to uh, documentaries that are shown here uh, once in a while based on critical social issues, including global warming. Mm -hmm. Um, I wonder if the committee, social justice, might be interested in having a documentary a month. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not a lot of preparation except for conducting a discussion afterwards and also a uh, focus on your perspective on activism at this point after seeing a documentary. But it could be a lot of social issues, not just uh, global warming. But once a month, a documentary that might be a half hour, might be an hour and a half, but you would get to see a current perspective, a respected perspective, through official sources that would back up a documentary. And maybe it would cost some money because you'd have to end up paying for the DVD, Mm -hmm. but it would be current. And that would be the advantage rather than a 10-year-old free documentary from the library. But uh, global warming would be a critical issue now for whatever. Thank you. So I think we should probably move... Yeah, we're, we're going to move on, although I am going to say that we have, we have resources in place to do some of that, and we have done some of that. It does require people to show up and actually come to the movies and be interested. Yeah. And so I think it's... And the library committee, yeah, I think a lot of the hands up yeah. were saying, we've tried this, we've tried this. And so, um, but one of the things I'm seeing is just we have renewed energy around this. There's a lot, you know, I think we've... 
the last two years, you know, since the election have been rough on people. Really? <laughs> to, yes. <laughs> yes, on many it's so very many levels, but I think that we're like, unfortunately we're adjusting to this new norm, but I think now people are actually going to start showing up for the documentaries again and wanting to get out there and talk about it, and I'd love to see us do that. So thanks for all the enthusiasm. So I want to make a comment. It. So we've gotten through half of our goals. Of talking about them. Um, what I'm hearing again and again is passion, energy, a lot of creative ideas. Well, let's, let's make this real. Let's make these things happen. I mean, there's, you guys have everything we need to really do some of this work together. I, I hear it. I hear the passion. So let's capitalize on that and do some Yes, and, and come out and actually do it. The ideas are yep. fantastic. I'm really good with coming up with ideas, but I can't always follow through on like, <laughs> so, actually doing them. And, a, um, and, and I love it. So actually, you know, if you're really passionate around this, come out and, yes. and ask. Like, talk to the social justice team. See how you can participate and be a part of it because we have to, somebody actually has to do it. Like, be the feet. Yeah. We need the boots the, on the ground. Yes, you have to do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, goal four, creating a path for leadership. We want to refine our process of identifying, encouraging, nurturing, and developing our leaders and celebrating and thanking our leaders. So, Trudy, are you want to jump in on that one? So, one thing we were talking about during the um, service auction was this notion of you see a lot of the same people doing a lot of the same things and finding a way to better integrate the whole congregation, the human capital, the huge amount of human capital we have in this congregation, mm -hmm. and the number of passions in this congregation. And for people to find their passion and find a way not only to have ideas about it, but to enact those ideas. And that's been my frustration is making, when I first came, I didn't, I, I would talk to people and I would hear, and I would see people greeting, but I didn't know how one became a greeter or people would help with childcare and I wouldn't know how to do that. Or, you know, talking about greeting, somebody said, well, you got to talk to Trish. I don't know who Trish is, and I'm not the kind of person who's going to ask who Trish is. So ways to make integration into the church much easier and not feel as cliquish, that you have mm -hmm. to know the people to know the people. And, mm -hmm. oh, you know, we're saying, well, go on the sign-up genius. Well, uh, we have a sign-up genius, and I don't know what that is. A, a way to make it way more transparent about how you can do these things mm -hmm. other than, you know, we, ha we have a ministry auction or ministry fair once a year. And if you start coming to our church a week after that, you have no way to know, hey, I'm interested in helping with childcare. How does one do that? But I'm not brave enough to ask. Mm -hmm. Ways to make that way more open to people and let them know that not only are you wanted at this church, but we need you at this church because we need what you have to offer, what unique perspective, what unique passion that you have to offer and ways to help people enact that better. One of the um, leadership development programs that I was really pleased to see uh, start over the last couple of years, uh, the trainings that started for the restorative circles as a way for conflict resolution. And I thought about talking about this when we were talking about growing the congregation because I think another reason that people leave is when there's conflict and then we don't know how to resolve it and so people withdraw. But we started to develop a, a group of uh, trained people and then there were additional training opportunities. And I think uh, 
you know, that, that is an area that we started to do really well, and I'd love to see that continue. Thank you, and it's funny that you, that your timing is good to bring this up, because this is something that we've been, as a board, uh, re-energized around and talking about what are our next steps. Now that we have landed, we have Stephen here, we are, you know, we're starting to kind of uh, grow and feel more comfortable here again, but I agree that there are things that we've not, um, there's things that we can absolutely do better around, and I think that conflict and figuring out how to work through some of those things in Covenant is really important mm -hmm. as well. Well, this is kind of an announcement, but there's a, an online course to develop UU leaders that starts, I think it's this week, um, and or else next week, but we to check it, UU Leadership Institute puts it out. Renee helped develop it. Yeah. And it costs $30, but it's, um, uh, do we have money to help people if they don't have $30? Yes. So how do they, where should they go to find this money? They should talk to one of us. Talk to, <laughs> right, okay. Because I think this could be really good. We've had one person that contacted me about it, but mm -hmm. I think this is really worthwhile since the UU, you know, it, Leadership yeah. Institute makes these things and Renee was part of it. It's really worth doing. Yeah. You know, we yes, do have a budget you. for leadership development and a simple ask, you know, I'll be happy to sign off a, a voucher for it. So. Would be LDC. Yeah, so, so the LDC, you're welcome to come to any board member, talk to us about it, and we will get it to the right people. But yeah. we do have a leadership development team that's been brainstorming and talking about these things. We really want to start building uh, leadership skills and uh, multi-level ways to engage with the, with the congregation, not just come and run an entire committee with a year-long, you know, thing where you have to work hours and hours and hours on it, but also ways to be able to step in and volunteer or get engaged that aren't at that level or are at a level that's more comfortable for you. So I think we'll be working towards that a lot more. I want to ask a couple of questions of them. Okay. May I? Oh, yeah. Okay, first fine. of all, um, how would someone, anyone define leadership? Anybody? Showing up. Showing up? Yeah. Showing up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Example. Trish? Oh, my example, yeah, I'll bring yeah. a mic over. I'm trying to repeat as I hear them. Okay. I think inviting other people to grow in the path of their passion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I'm, oh, here, you want to holler it out and repeat? Yeah. Let's see what Don has to say. I just, I just read one of the best books in the world, and it was about someone who set up all kinds of mentorship programs um, and taught people how to lead other people, and her credo John. was. Use your voice. Use your microphone, please. And <laughs> use your microphone. And the name of the book, and you should all read it for hope, what Danny said, we're in trouble the last two years, we have two more to go. Becoming Michelle Obama is fantastic. Oh, okay, thank you, thank you. So, another question, don't, don't be shy. Uh, how many of you consider yourselves leaders? Quite a few. Reluctant sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> in church or in other settings? Period, paragraph. Our uh, leadership, our ministry, our service to others doesn't stop at these four walls. I'm just, you know, thinking globally. Okay. And I've been here a long time, but I'm like, we, somebody's doing that? I didn't know yeah. that we had, you know, some of these things happening out there. And it's, it's I love that. Well, I um, want to share one, I want to support what Bonnie said about getting involved in something. 
and being amazed about the things you learned because you said you would do a small thing. Uh, the other part of that is, uh, there's nowhere in the church that we can go and read uh, how does the board function now? How is it arranged? Who does what? Are the responsibilities only the boards? Do they sh how do they share their? There's nowhere that explains the different committees. Uh, there's no formal list anymore of who's chairing what, or do we even have chairman? I think we need, uh, in other words, to um, do a little more defining of things so that newer people have a resource, if they have a passion, to even see if it's on the list uh, of the things that are uh, available to do around here. Uh, and the other thing that I've said for years is that we must all remember that other than our staff, we're all the volunteers. Yes. And that's a big word. And it carries a lot of responsibility. So when you do say you're going to do something, it would be helpful to know a little bit about what that is. <laughs> what does it mean that yeah. you said yes to? Let's hear from Claudia. Yeah, and I really appreciate that, and I'm going to get to yeah. Claudia. I want to say um, the, the bylaws do spell a lot of this out, but it's not, uh, it's not necessarily in layman's terms or in ways that are always easily digestible, but I love your idea, um, and I think that we can do more around just educating everyone <coughs> on how these works. I, now in my third year on the board and the moderator, have, I think, almost figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> I good. think I've almost got it, yes. She's wow. good. <laughs> I would just like to say there, the membership committee has developed an activities brochure. Mm -hmm. You may have seen it. It's available out in the uh, Founders Lounge. Um, we have a, that available for guests and visitors, and we have it in our, we have a little bag you may have seen for, for visitors. Um, the other thing is uh, the new to UU class, which right now is on a hiatus, um, has uh, um, made a point to talk about our governance and polity, for example, to um, to people who are newer. So that I think those people may be better versed than some of the rest of us mm -hmm. in how we operate. Mm -hmm. um, but I would like to see too a uh, an offering of uh, just how Janie explained um, an offering of. How how do we how do, what is our structure? Maybe a you know one hour um, explanation for people who really uh, are not sure what our um, bylaws tell us about how we operate. Okay. Thank you. I think that's another town hall. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I think one more quick, idea. then we yep. need to move on. I want to in, wrap up in the time when Bob Erdman was moderator, he created or co-created an amazing visual which hung up for a while in Fesden Hall. It had circles, it had lines, but it was all on one sheet of paper and you could see who reported to who and what people's tasks were. It was, I thought, real helpful. I'm a visual person. Don't give me a lot of stuff to read. Yeah, and actually the structure has changed pretty dramatically since that time, but we do actually have, uh, Renee helped us develop a kind or, of flow chart. Organizational chart. Yeah, an organizational yeah. chart. We do have one that, that it, and it's definitely complicated, but shareable, I think. Yeah, we can. said it was too much for engineers and they didn't understand it. 
Yeah. He's, he's, Bob is saying you'd have to be an engineer to understand it. I think, I think ours, we can simplify it enough to, to make it a more, more visible mm-hmm. and more uh, accessible for everyone. So thank you for those suggestions, and I think that's great. So goal five, get the social hall, fellowship hall yes. built. Yeah, what a... What a yes. <laughs> yes. What a journey that has been, hmm? Yeah. We have, um, yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to honor everyone who has contributed to the capital campaign, who has worked on building expansion teams and related committees that have helped that keep moving. You know, we have bids. We have four bids. Uh, they are more than what we had originally planned on. Yeah. But we are looking at how we can manage the costs of the building and what we need to do. The BET is vetting bids very carefully and, and uh, working out how we're going to tackle this. But we're going to get that thing in the mud yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it's happening. Max, do you want to weigh in at all? You're on the BET. Is there any... Hang on. Oh, wait, hang on. And I do want to say that we owe Randy Leeson a great deal of gratitude for the work he has done. And, He's, he's been the communications guy. He's slogged through it time and time again to keep the process moving. So again, when you see him, be sure to thank him for the work he's done. Max. Well, I was stuck. I mean, I joined the uh, BET just a few months ago, about three or four months ago. So one of the goals we're having now is to try to be more uh, tra- uh, transparent in a sense of more communication out there. And I, I wanna, I'm supposed to write up something and get something out there in the next couple of weeks, three weeks probably. But, it, it, you know, with the bids we have, and Reverend Stephen was correct, they're a little bit higher than we anticipated. You know, when we started this project out about three years ago, was it? Three or four years ago? You know, we were projecting what it would be, and then that, since that time has occurred, you know, the economy, the way it's running, and the way construction is going, costs have increased. So, you know, we're looking at it, we're looking at value in engineering, mm-hmm. we're looking at uh, alternatives to get this thing, to get this thing built. And uh, I am confident we will do it. It's just a matter of, you know, let the, you know, the BET's processing all these, these bids. And also we're sending questions back to the contractors mm-hmm. uh, that, because there are some things that, what do you mean by this? <laughs> or did you did, did how is, what's included in this part of it? So you know we're 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 still processing those mm-hmm. bids and determining where we need to go from there. So value engineering, if you heard that phrase, is a means where the contractor and the client, which is us, work together to say, okay, we need this much of something, or we need a certain quality to meet code and everything. Instead of buying a premium HVAC heating unit, for example, can we use a less expensive one? Can we use windows or doors that are standard size instead of building, having custom-sized doors or windows fabricated? That There are ways to save money. Are the trusses over-engineered, et cetera? And you look at ways in which you don't sacrifice quality or safety or usability, but you achieve it less expensively. So it's, kind of a, it's an interesting process. Thank you, Max. Are there any questions, thoughts, um, Trish? I know that we have to scrimp and save a bit right now, but for a future vision, I would like us to hold in our minds to have a building that sets an example in this city. Mm -hmm. I would love us to have a building that has solar panels 
Maybe we participate in some zero down where we have it, but someone else getting the energy. I don't know. There's all kinds of options out there, but we could set such an example by being as green a building as we can with the building and the surrounds. Mm -hmm. And the building is designed for silver panels in every way, yeah. So, yeah. yeah okay. All the discussions I've heard have kept the green sanctuary <laughs> underlying the discussion as well. It's staying there. So in the interest of time, can we move on to goal six? Yes. I don't think we need to vote on that. <laughs> um, we want to create more visibility in the wider community than this image of who we are as a loving, inclusive, spiritual community and by increasing participation in external events, by defining our brand, logos, marketing, a visible presence, reaching out for resources, help, and networking. We have written a charge and are in the process of creating a publicity committee. That'll help us get the word out. I'm active out in the community. I'm a member of the Interfaith Alliance, the Kent Interfaith Alliance, and trying to be a presence out there and network with various communities and stuff, but this is an important thing to do. We, part of it's getting, we want to be a bigger community, want to include more people, they have to know we're here. Uh, so, Anne has a comment. Anne, sorry, I didn't see your hand. Uh, if anybody reads the Record Courier, you'll notice that in the Saturday listing of all the churches, the UU church is not there. And that's because uh, it's very expensive to uh, put that ad in once a week. Um, when, with our last fully installed minister, um, they decided that, uh, the board, I guess, or somebody, that uh, it was too expensive as a line item. And so when that um, ran out, uh, the... the um, the ad was withdrawn, or the announcement. So I took it upon myself uh, to strong arm a few people, and $700, which took care of four months Thank you, wow, yeah. So Anne shared that she strong-armed some people or um, did, did some... Invited them to contribute. Yes, yes, uh, and raised $700 for four months of advertising in that column. Wow, thank you. Yeah, and there's, there's many ways to reach out to people beyond just print media as well. I'm really excited to see what the publicity team might uh, come up with. The rationale for not renewing it was that most people use Facebook or Internet or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's not really true. There are a lot of people that read the Record Courier and go through those ads. Yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, so we need to... Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that we should do it, but there should be something with a, um, uh, you know, what am I trying to say? With a paper or whatever, yeah. where there's a regular place to go uh, visibly. So. Yeah. so one of the things we can do with Facebook is see on a weekly basis how many people um, visit the Facebook page. You know, we can keep website stats and see what kind of hits we're getting. The newspaper would be a curious thing. So how did you find out about us? 
you know, to see if right. that's an we, effective we means. We start too. surveying or gathering data around yeah. how people are hearing yeah. about us. But, but I'm, honestly, I think one of the best ways, what I'd like to see us is actually get out in the community, be visible, you use, and talk mm -hmm. about what we're doing and help change, you know, help do some yeah. good in the world. That, to me, would be wonderful, along with a multifaceted approach to get our name and our uh, logo out there more. Yeah. It's free to do good in the world. And when we have meetings and do some of the special things that we're talking about, you call the record courier and say, hey, such and such, ah, we'll have somebody there. And not only does somebody come and write an article about it, they'll take a picture and they print the picture because they can't find things to write about. And now all of a sudden they're writing about this church, that church, so yeah. on and so on and so on. And that's all free. So it goes together with our becoming more activist. Thank you, Mary. I appreciate that. Here, I know Saunas was next. Um, I was going to say much what Mary said, but even things like uh, when a church installs a new minister, there should be an article in the paper that there's a new minister at the UU Church in Kent. And, um, you know, activities, people looking for stuff to do. If you're a writer, write things about the church and they'll print them. Thank you. Yeah, I just realized we don't, we, there hasn't, you haven't been. You're going to have to get arrested so that we can all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going, I am going to South Texas. I may visit San Antonio oh to, to see that wall. Um, yes. Um, right. Well, and I'm making a joke. Texas, For those who are newer, our, our last minister had, was in protest, and that actually got us a lot of publicity because mm -hmm. it was out there. So I'm making yeah. a joke around that, but the truth is, those of us who are out there, visible in the community, can make a difference and can speak about our faith-based activism. Do we have a budget line item for bail? Uh, <laughs> I will personally pay, <laughs> pay that bail. All right, Trudy, Max, yeah, Shirley. I would love to see our services live streamed for people who uh, are homebound or for transportation purposes can't get here, or to keep up with the congregation for so, perhaps if they have to move from the local area. Yeah, I know that we have a podcast. We do record our services, um, but we don't do it. It's not uh, visual yet. But yeah, that's absolutely something that we can potentially look at. I think. Two, two things. One is on and streaming, we'd have to pay for the rights for the music. So just be aware that that needs to be in the line item budget there. Mm -hmm. uh, the second thing is it one is in the budget. What's it? Yeah, it's oh, in the budget. Good, good great. Uh, one of the things that's probably the most important things to do in outreach is invite someone. Yeah. Simply invite someone. I've been doing that myself. In fact, I've got a friend of mine who will probably be coming next month in in the Ken area. And, you know, mass media advertising, I was in that business for a long time. It's, it does work to some degree, depending on where you're targeting your demographics and everything else. But the most, the most effective way to reach out is to ask someone to come. Tell them about the church. Tell them about what we do and what we're about and the seven principles and all that. You know, and that's one way to spread the word and, and let them be aware of what we do and, and hopefully maybe invite them to come. Yeah. It's called event. I hate to use the word evangelism. It's, it's a very good word, yeah. I, I just want to say that when Melissa was still here um, and the Black Lives Movement was really 
gathering steam because there was so much going on. Between services, a group of us stood out in front of the sanctuary holding up signs. And that was my first realization that people don't really know what we are about because there was this car full of African-American young men. They slowed down, they turned, and they stared at us. Then they drove around the block to come back because they couldn't believe what they were seeing. Yeah. And so um, we had a... We were starting, and then, of course, you know, things happen. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important for us to reach out to the community and be more visible. I'm not sure how we do that, but I think it's very important. Thank you, Shirley. Yep, I'm coming back to you. I agree. And I remember that one. We um, go to anything that's free downtown as a family, and I would love to see the UU Church with some of the things we believe in, um, and some of the protests and things like that, having a table, having some type of presence at the Earth Day um, mm -hmm. um, festival downtown. Um, you know, they've got the Kent Fest, which is now the Heritage Fest, and all of that. If there's something going on, we, we are there, right? But I'd also like, within the church, to know um, I've seen people at church at different marches, but I didn't know anybody at church was going to the march. And I would have loved to have carpooled. That would have saved some money. If there's something going on, I would love a sign-up. Who would be willing to drive? Who would be willing to make posters? And then we take a picture of ourselves. We send it to the record courier. And now people know what we believe in, right? And we're communicating with each other, and we're building community. Right, because I'll I'll show up and I'll drive if my car is working well, you know. Um, but I think that's important. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that. So, uh, Janie. Jane. And then that'll be our. Well, there's another thing we do a lot of um, with Hal's help. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of wonderful music programs. Yes, we're known as a music church. Yes, but when I come to them, I don't see many of us there. And I'd like to uh, promote within that we promote ourselves as well as try to get out to the community. Thanks. I was going to bring that up if nobody else did. Right, so it's a very underutilized, beautiful thing we have here. Um, I'm sorry to keep comparing us to other churches, but I just have to say, because I work within the immigrant and refugee population, that... The Catholic Church with Akron does an amazing job teaching ESL classes. The first ESL classes I saw were in the Akron um, Catholic Church there. They, they house refugees. They, um, I mean, the whole Latino movement and in terms of all the liberation theology and what they've done down there, I think that we could learn a huge amount from them. Um, in high school, I did an Appalachian service project for the Methodist Church where we went into the Appalachian community. You want to talk about making a difference in their lives. We build a floor and a dirt, you know, a dirt floor. We built a floor for them as a teenager. That got me more involved in my church than I'd ever been. I saw poverty. We helped people with poverty. They learned and started to love the Methodist Church. So if we want to be diverse, we absolutely have to go to those communities. I would love to teach you any ESL class here for adults. The only thing is we have Kent State here. We may not be in the best place for outreach because we don't have an inner city right here, 
but um, but we do. Yeah. Oh yes. I mean, we have oh, yes. we have a lot of. Po- this community can use our care. This community mm-hmm. right here and into into Akron as well. I think is a yes. you know mm-hmm. is our local yeah. city. But so we wrap up? Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap and remember right. about downstairs. You're right. So. We're going to wrap up. Thank you so much, all of you, for being here. I really appreciate the energy, the ideas, the enthusiasm. Let's keep going from here. So you make this all possible with the gifts of your time, money, energy, vision, ideas. So thank you. Um, One announcement. Please do not leave through Fessenden Hall. The coming of age group is in there. Please exit other ways. So please do not go through Fessenden, okay?